0: Weekend racing, it's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael and Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of their shows. Real fans look forward to these guys and their last thoughts, cause they know they're not talking out of their royal
1: ass. God, they say makes sense, so ladies and gents. Sit back and relax
0: as Blinkers Off presents
1: The Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb, because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is The Magic Mike Show, episode 384, Mr. Samich. Shots, huzzah!
0: I love this jello shot conversation going on in our uh, our chat right now.
1: Yeah, what's going on? I, I look over at the chat and somebody's talking about jello shots. And uh, yeah, hey, good evening to everybody. How's, uh, how's everything going? What's going on in the chat there, Mike?
0: Yeah, so uh, there is a competition going on at the College World Series where you can buy a jello shot. You take a jello shot and it gets marked up for that team. So, like, what team fans take the most jello shots at the College World Series? is like the little yearboard. One of our longtime uh, listeners, Mark Ellis, is there. Is uh, I took a picture of it, and it's Arkansas is like way out in front. Last I saw, but there's been over seventy five thousand Jello shots now taken. When was the last time you took a Jello shot?
1: God, <laughs> ten years ago, twelve years oh. ago, something like that. Yeah, it's been a we long did,
0: time. We did Jello shots by the pool in Dallas after after the the tournament, so that was kind of fun. Did my first kamikaze since college last night. So dragging a little bit this morning, it was a little rough. We had the, the parents watch Lily, so Jen and I had a night out, and kamikazes were had.
1: Uh, if i isn't that like it's like vodka and citrus, like lime juice. Yeah,
0: yeah, it was Jenna's oh. go to shot in college, and so she was she got a little tipsy and just started ordering kamikazes, and so that happened. <laughs>
1: uh Shoddy says two dollars from every shot at the College World Series Jello Shot Challenge goes to Arkansas and Ole Miss food pantries since they have so many. That's awesome. That is really cool. I mean, it's great when they do that challenge, but when you find out even you know two dollars from everything like that's going, that's 150 grand already. So uh that's pretty great. Dr. Tang, good to see you. That means he, he's in the chat. That means he's got power again. He was trying to cure Holy. cancer yesterday without power. It's like if curing cancer isn't already hard enough, they were like, all right, now Dr. Tang do it without power. So uh, good to see you. he's here. Shoddy everybody. Davey. Good to see everybody in the chat. Uh, Mike, we've got the late pick four at Belmont to talk about, and uh, the feature's only got five horses, but it's it's an interesting group of five, right? So we get to talk about that one as well.
0: Yeah, it is. It's a little bit of a puzzler. Uh, I, I spent more time than I thought I would on the race, to be honest, on that specific race, especially what I ended up with. Uh, but it, it, it's it's an interesting field. that we were talking a little about before, and you got four horses that want to go to the lead. you got five stakes winners. you got some horses stretching out, some cutting back. So it's a lot of different things happening all at once. It's a one-turn mile of 16th, which is kind of a unique race in itself. So uh, it, interesting little sequence of, uh, of four races. We both have cheaper tickets, which is kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it, like... Before we jump into it, actually, we'll save it for over the rails. Let's just let's jump into it.
1: All right, let's get into the late pick four at Belmont on Saturday, June twenty fifth. Rise.
0: We're starting out the picks. If you're looking for someone to bet the late pick for this Saturday at Belmont, check out betptc.com. Sign up using promo code DUDES. You get a $200 bonus after you bet $750. And also make sure you check out their competition. Every Saturday, it's an ROI competition called King of the Hill. If you, uh, I think it's get three points in one of the three seasons. They just started season two. You get a shot at a free $10,000 seat. So make sure you head over to betptc.com. Sign up using promo code DUDES.
1: Thanks, Mike. Uh, Dr. Tang in the chat says, we're going to recap our rendezvous at San Diego last and Yeah, we didn't get a chance to do it uh, Monday because we were pressed for time, but we'll do that at the end of the show. But first, the first leg of the late pick four at Belmont on Saturday, June 25th, race seven. We've got a field of eight males, three and up, sprinting seven furlongs on the outer turf course. Mike, these are nine winners, two lifetime, in for 50K tags. And I thought this was interesting. Eight entries, only three of them have ever won on turf. So kind of an interesting handicapping scenario here. Where'd you go on top?
0: Yeah, also... Uh- really no speed for a turf sprint race. Like, we well, usually you hear turf sprint, you're like, oh, there's four that want to go, or they all want to be forwardly placed. And, and and really, we only have one horse in my mind that wants to be forwardly placed. That's Brazilian Air. That's going to be my top pick. The four horse uh, is a second off, uh, second off the layoff here for Morley. Um, claimed it out last race. Morley, very, very good off the claim. Twenty-four percent with a two dollar ninety-seven cent ROI. That was actually a little tougher race. Than it looks on paper as well. Prayer Book, a pretty good horse. Um, and Brazilian Air took the lead in the stretch and kind of faded and got caught a little bit. Same thing happened going a mile sixteenth at Aqueduct. Uh, the first race out as a five-year-old as well. I love this cut back to seven furlongs. It, it shouldn't be any issue from a, a, a stamina perspective. And on top of it, there's no one else that really wants to go. I think that, you know, Brazilianair might be better off sitting like second or third behind one horse. But without any pace, I think Brazilian air kind of inherits a pretty easy lead. And the fact that Brazilianer had been going longer and has that one race under the belt, I think Brazilian air has a really good shot at wiring this field just because of the lack of pace.
1: Yeah, I went. I completely agree with you here. Uh, I went too deep. You have both of those on your ticket, and this was my top pick as well. I did a little digging because you, you look back at where the horse was first claimed from Chad Brown and who the owners were, and that is not a, an ownership group that just casually lets 40, 000, horses go for $40,000. They bought this horse as a yearling for $875,000. Uh, a little bit of a drop-off there uh, to where we're at, but Meaning, at one point, they thought this horse had ability. Chad Brown tried debuting him on turf. It got rained off. And then they kind of figured, you know, by the time that he gets to the races, they're like, well, just get rid of him. He's not worth the, the money, clearly. So, um, and since he's been on turf, Mike, nine turf tries, just one bad result. And the two bad efforts that he's had, or his two worst efforts, I should say, they both came first off of five-month layoffs. No scenario like that here. Um, you talked about the horses that, that uh, you know, two back, they both won next out. High-tide. Next two starts got ninety buyers in both of them, both protected allowance races. Hilliard got an eighty-nine for winning a starter allowance. So uh, great angles. Also, you wouldn't know this, but first off of uh, first time claimed off of Linda Rice. When you're in these kind of higher dollar turf sprint races, the last five years, you actually have a uh, almost turned a profit five for twenty-five with an almost positive ROI. So claiming off of Linda Rice and turf sprints, not a bad angle, Mike.
0: No, it's not. I'm kind of intrigued by the quick turnaround, too. This is a a sub-seven-day turnaround off a claim, which is something Morley doesn't do very often. Just one time, he's run a horse in the last five years, in seven days or less. Um, But it's one of those spots where you would assume Brazilian Air is pretty fit here, and just you get them, you claim them, you say, hey, I want to run them right back. I like the fact that they're jumping from 30 to 50 as well, Mm -hmm. putting some confidence there. We'll see if, if Brazilian Air runs. Uh, If not, this gets a little even, it gets really murky from who's going to take the lead. But uh, I I like this spot, and I think Morley is is showing a positive aggression there. Uh, For me, I ended up going uh, three deep in this spot, used two other horses in here. Uh, The sixth, Ghostly Prince, I think is really interesting. Michelle Hemingway, not a really well-known trainer, only had three starters so far at Belmont. This is going to be her fourth, but she is five for 37 in 2022, so 14%. Don't hate that. Don't love that we're getting a significantly worse price, but the fact of the matter is it it kind of pans out that you should be getting you should have he should have been 40 to one, 40 to 1 yet yeah, that last race. And now six to one kind of makes sense against this field. I mean, he was able to close quickly. You're getting second off a layoff here, has a bullet work last time out. I, I like the fact that they brought this horse in for Mammoth and had the faith to run it at Belmont. Now we're getting a second time at Belmont. I think Ghostly Prince takes a step forward. And if so, Ghostly Prince kind of fits with this field.
1: Yeah, and I think the the difference in the odds there is that you had a horse that uh, was with a, you know, Kelsey Danner, a good trainer, um, was 17%, and you're going, you know, you might consider it a step down to Michelle Humey, someone who's not as well-known, and with Danner was running for, you know, the last two races was uh, 18 and 28 to 1 odds there. Uh, I was going to look up real quick, uh, Ghostly Prince, what, the odds were in the morning line. Yeah, it was 12 to 1 morning line there. So Ghostly Prince wasn't expected to do anything in that race. Uh, you know, I think off of the layoff and with the smaller name trainer there with the switch. I, I get why that, you know, this isn't a case where it was wedding, hopefully not wedding funeral there. Horse just, I think rightly, was uh, completely ignored. But the horse that I'm also using, and there's a third one for you, is the one that was three-quarters of a length ahead, and that's the seven, Cousin Andrew, just to the outside, adding blinkers for trainer Linda Rice, who wins 19% turf sprints at the claiming level. Um, One thing that's interesting about this horse, another former Chad Brown uh, project, um, horses never dropped back to the level from which he was claimed. So Peter Walder grabs his horse for 20, runs him back for 40, loses him for 30, that's where Linda Rice claims him for 30. Runs him back, protected three times. You know the, the two turf efforts, both you know within a length and a half of the winner, uh, and then drops down to the 50k level and looks pretty good. So we're getting second off of the layoff. And uh, by the way, cousin Andrew in that race, Fast and Furious was gate to wire winner. This was the only horse, other than possibly Ghostly Prince, who was really closing on the leader. So you're getting, with your ticket, you're getting the two horses who claimed or who gained on the uh, gate-to-wire winner there. I'm taking what I think was the better of the two there, uh, the seven, Cousin Andrew. Yeah, I think the
0: seven's interesting as well because we've seen this horse, horse turf sprint at six furlongs. We've never seen him turf sprint at seven furlongs. I think that might make a big difference here. Uh, if you look at the races, the dirt races this horse was running in, all of them were longer. This horse never went six furlongs on the dirt. It was always a mile or mile 16th. You had a six and a half there. I think this extra furlong is going to help the seven quite a bit as well. So I, I think we can get out of here just going four, six, seven. Um, but I, I like the fact that the seven is stretching out. I think it makes a pretty big difference for him.
1: Uh, and on that note, Darren, with the timely question here in the chat, so what's the handicapping of stretching out and cutting back? Mike, quickly, what's the, what's the angle that you're looking for with that?
0: It really depends on the horse. Um, If if you're showing, like, I love cutbacks, specifically off derby preps, because a lot of times you see horses succeed as as younger horses, go to derby preps, fail miserably in derby preps, then cut back to sprinting, which is what they should have been doing all the time anyway, and they succeed. A lot of times when I'm looking at cutbacks, I want the horse to show speed. Uh, So if, if they're showing speed going longer and they cut back, that is much more beneficial. If they're showing no speed going longer and they cut back, I get really worried. Because you got, you know, a lot of times these sprint paces are significantly faster than two turn routes or even a one turn route pace. And so you're giving up 10, 15 lengths a lot of times, or the horse is forced to go faster earlier than they want to, and it negatively affects their late kick. When you're stretching back out, I think you really just have to look at results from a horse. And in this case, you see that Cousin Andrew's able to handle the distance. So I'm not concerned about that distance. He's been closing consistently in those six furlong races. So I think the added distance is actually going to benefit him.
1: Yeah, and to the point with that last race, I was talking about Fast and Furious did go gate to wire, and you look even, you don't have to watch the replay, you can look at the chart and see that he was four lengths behind, then two and a half, then one and a half, and then one length. Probably wasn't ever catching Fast and Furious, but you can see as the horse was kind of running longer, there was getting a little closer, so... In theory, you add another furlong there. Possibly, the horse keeps going. I also we didn't mention it, but adding blinkers is interesting too to possibly keep the horse a little more engaged. Maybe we see some some speed out of cousin Andrew because back to your point at the top before we move on, Mike, there really isn't a lot of speed here. If it's not the four horse going gate to wire, I really don't know where it's coming from.
0: Well, and this is a re-add of blinkers as well. So he started out first eight career starts first eight career starts all with blinkers, all within. I mean, the furthest back was five lengths and six furlong sprint right? So the, the addition of blinkers should put a little bit more pace into cousin Andrew.
1: Um, and real quick, the five vocalizes the three to one second choice on the morning line here, Sean and Nesbitt in the chat. What's wrong with the five? Because you got Flavian Pratt riding as well. Why didn't you use? Uh,
0: so so Bonnie Lucas is a, we used to be a, a POTS assistant, right? So she's taking care of a lot of POTS horses here. So that's that's kind of the trainer, why the trainer's a little lesser known. Uh, I don't like the fact that we had to drop down to maiden claiming and now we are we're going, we're taking a step up the ladder from 40 K maiden claimers to 50 K claimers first time against winners. And what I think is actually a pretty salty field without any pace edge. Um, The price is just too short for me to be interested. That was one of the biggest issues. Like we talk a lot going up from, you know, maiden special weight to M1 X is a big jump going up from 40 K maiden claimers to 50 K non-winners at two is a big jump as well, because you're, you're not getting any type of class relief and you're facing winners for the first time. So if this horse had, stayed in the pletcher barn and this was a different spot or this was a 20k uh claimer then i'd be a little more interested but because we're raising up in claiming price and facing winners and a barn switch all of those kind of directed me away from it because i think a lot of people are going to play this five
1: uh and if you're wondering why wayne potts is no longer <laughs> training uh mike why is that is it because Niro said you listen you're so dirty we're just not going to let you have stalls That is the answer, yes. I think it's like (laughs)
0: five different places said that all at the same time. I don't think it was just Naira. (laughs) Uh,
1: Naira was the one leading the way. And also, uh, to the point, you can look at the form and say – you know, the, the, the italics, you see there's a lot of next-out winners, including third place from when Vocalize won. But that horse, Starry, Starry Knight, uh, did it at the main 40 level, only got a 71 buyer. So it doesn't really look that flattering when the buyer didn't improve from finishing, you know, that far behind Vocalize. So uh, that's the ankle there. Mike, we got the, uh, we got, we got the future to talk about before we do. Hi to Peter, the voiceover guy uh, from Joplin, Missouri. Good to see you in the chat, Peter. Uh, second leg of the lay pick four at Belmont. On Saturday, June 25th, race eight. This is the feature event of the day, the grade two Mother Goose Stakes. And yes, it's just a field of five three-year-old fillies going a mile and the sixteenth on the dirt, which, by the way, at Belmont, that's one turn. But Mike, of these five fillies, they're all stakes winners. A couple greatest stakes winners, including Juju's Map, who's a grade one winner. And goddamn, did she look good when she returned as a three-year-old last out?
0: Yeah, she looked awesome. And we kind of thought we that, that she had this type of thing in her. And you you think about her at Delmar and like. She just didn't really run her race at Del Mar. Echo Zulu was able to get out there and didn't get the pressure we thought was coming from, and that's really the one blemish in her mar- in her, her career. And when you look at that, running second in the Breeders' Cup race, really not that big of a blemish. Uh, so it was nice to see her come back and, and excel going that the uh, mile and a sixteenth. Clearly, that was a prep race for a race like this, right? She didn't really need to run in that that N two X, and now we're going jumping way up into Grade Two. So you got to think that race helped freshen her up. And Brad Cox is kind of planning this the entire time. We want to get one in her, and then we're going to go right to it, to big-time graded stakes. And she runs into a field that, let's be honest, isn't that tough here, right? It's a little tough to figure out. I and mean, we just talked about the cutting back, stretching out thing. I mean, you've got Jerry Mander, who is stretching out from sprinting, going into the, to going into a one-turn graded stakes. You've got Shahama, who was, just went two turns in Kentucky in the Kentucky Oaks, and now cutting back here to one turn. Uh, so you have a lot of horses that are kind of doing things different here. Quite a few horses coming. Venti Valentine, the last two, mile and an eighth, and we're cutting back to a one-turn mile and a 16th. Just a lot of horses changing what they're doing. And one of the things that, they, I mean, you noted this before the show, the two, the three, the four, and the five have all shown speed at some point in their career. Now, the two is is cheap aqueduct speed, right? When you're going 49, Venti Valentine can make the lead. <laughs> Midnight Stroll has never been in the lead at the half-mile point outside of Tampa. So I'm not sure how real midnight stroll speed is, right? So that just leaves us with the four gerrymander and the five Juju's map from a speed perspective. And the one is just slow early, right? I think there's really no other way to put that. So (laughs) to me, you kind of can narrow the field down a little bit there. I ended up singling Juju's map here simply because any improvement off that last race is going to be very tough. And I don't think this is what Shahama wants to do, right? I mean, that Shahama would be the... I I went back and forth of like, do I think gerrymander is going to cook Juju's map? Because that's really... There's two scenarios here. either Juju's map goes gate to wire or Shahama cook or gerrymander Cooks Jer- uh, Juju's map and Shahama wins, right? I mean that that's really the two ways I could see this going. I know you po- probably have another scenario that you see. But to <laughs> me, I, I think Juju's map gets out, gets loose, and I, I think it's over. And I think if gerrymander sends Juju maps, Juju's map in stock and beat her, and I don't think Flormont Giroux is going to make that critical mistake of saying I have to have the lead. And because we're breaking from the five, that gives him the decision, right? He's going to be able to see what gerrymander does and decide, Do I, if I break clean and I can cross over, great. If not, just sit back and stalk. That's the reason I ended up singling Juju's map, is with the, actually the post position and how I think Florent Drew can ride the race.
1: Uh, yeah, that's, and I, I went into this fully expecting I was going to single Juju's map. Uh, by the way, that, that field that, he beat, that she beat on Churchill Downs, yes, it was allowance race, but it was Kentucky Oaks Day, and there were 10 horses in the race, she was the only one that was three years old. They were all older horses. So not only was that like a a decent field for her to face for her return from a layoff, they're all older horses too. So uh, the one knock that I really have on her, and this really isn't that much, she's never won at one turn before. So uh, this is going to be a one-turn race, and sometimes that one-turn speed can be a little different. And I went looking to see, like, is there anybody who can beat her? The only horse I think that has a chance – in this field, really, is the Ford Cherrymander. Uh, her only poor race in her life came when she was coming from a six-month layoff on Kentucky Oaks Day, broke like shit, ran into Madurea, who's probably the best one turn 3 year old filly in the country. Uh, she didn't have a chance from the start, but she wasn't being Madurea. Right. Anyways, she's a horse who was second Echo Zulu in the grade one for Zet, right you know, before the Breeders' Cup. Uh, she ended up going and winning the Tempted Stakes, and if you look at the field from the Tempted, uh, from Breeders' Cup Weekend Aqueduct, uh, you had Magic Circle, who ended up winning a Kentucky Oaks Trail Stakes Race. Uh, you had Nest, who by the way turned into a Grade One winner, who was second in the Belmont Stakes. Uh, you had three times second place on the Kentucky Oaks Trail, Goddess of Fire, and then Red Hot Mess was a Stakes winner in that race as well. So it, for it being an Aqueduct November Breeders' Cup weekend Stakes Race, it was actually pretty loaded. Um, I, I have no idea what it's going to take. I don't expect Rosario to send. I don't know what Rosario is going to do. I've kind of given up guessing what he's going to do on a horse like this, but this is the only one mike that if juju's map doesn't fire for whatever reason i think gerrymander is the one that can pick her up
0: yeah yeah. the horse shouldn't have any issue with the distance i mean like a mile 16 should be no problem for the way this horse is bred and so that's why it's kind of odd that we haven't seen this horse stretch out past a mile yet i do think the one turn mile and 16th is helpful um but it's really going to be about what rosario decides to do the two times he's ridden. Uh, gerrymander, he's gone 45 and, and I think it's 45 and four both times yep. for the opening half mile. So, two quick half miles here. I, I think they're definitely gonna go slower than that. So, if, if Rosario pushes the pace a little bit, he may be able to get away with a 46. But I, again, I don't think Juju's map minds stalking, and that to me was really what pushed me over the edge. Is I, I think Juju's map can sit outside of gerrymander stock and win. I do agree with you if I'm gonna go like. Uh, gerrymander is a horse that logically makes sense if you're going to go too deep here, right? Because the scenario exists where gerrymander gets the lead, Juju's map doesn't press and can't get by, right? And that that to me is, is, a, is a way that, that, that this race could go. I, the question is if, if they're not going that fast, if Fenty Valentine or Midnight Stroll get involved, that's why this is such a unique race because you have a clear closer who this race is too short for. You have a clear speed horse, right? and then you have these other three horses that could kind of mix it up so i, I don't mind you going four or five here i i think the you know you kind of have to single the one single the five you can't use them both or you go four five or one four and I, I like someone asked about the all button in this i don't think the two and the three have a legit shot for the price that they will be in this race right i mean you'd need to give me like 45 to one on the three in this spot right and i don't think you're getting anywhere near that now You know, we may have 2% or she may have 2% of the pick four pool tickets on her, which would make her playable at that point. But um, if you have big opinions in other spots that aren't favorites, then I I think that's the all button is possible here. But to me, like your most likely outcome here is that the favorite wins. Right. And it's it's one of those situations where the all button is most likely going to result in a favorite. And so you really have to make sure you're not playing favorites in the other legs if you are going to try and uh, get lucky and get one of the big numbers to pop.
1: Uh, I'll say it now, Shaham at 9 to 5 morning line, biggest shock of the day for me at horse racing or otherwise seeing – uh, how short of a price she was. Now I say that if the race completely falls apart and she wins it on Saturday, uh, come back to this and remind me about it. Uh, <laughs> yes. we'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah, we're we're definitely big on Juju's map here. And if you want to go too deep, hey, the four gerrymander with Chad Brown, Joel Rosario. Reminder: This episode of the Magic Mike Show it is brought to you by Bet PTC. If you haven't signed up yet, go to betptc.com. It's ADW of the Racing Dudes. Sign up using promo code Dudes D U D E S. You'll get a two hundred dollar new member bonus after you bet seven hundred fifty dollars. Time now for, say it with me in the chat, everybody, the penultimate leg of the late pick four at Belmont Park on Saturday, June 25th, race nine. We've got 10 males plus an MTO we're not going to talk about because it's supposed to be fast and firm. They're actually ages five and up here going a mile and eighth on the inner turf in for $25,000 tags. I did the math of the 10 in here. Nine of them have faced each other within their last two starts. So it's really the epitome of running against your friends right here.
0: Yeah, this is kind of, I mean, this is just that classic. It's a $25,000 claiming level on the turf. It's just a recycled group of horses. They all run against each other all the time in New York. And sometimes you get the right price. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes it chalks out. Uh, Look, it was really hard to get past Big Agenda and Grand Journey for me. I have a 10 on top, but the two of them were almost inseparable last time they faced each other. Clearly the best last two out races. Clearly the best horses in form right now. They're five to two and four to one. I would bet the 10 to win at the four to one price. I'm not sure you actually get that on the race day. Um, but to me, the, the five and the 10 just absolutely stood out. You got the five claimed off Joe Sharp for Rob Attress. Rob Atras, 28%. does very well with claiming. Uh, and, and the 10 horse who just missed to the five last time was the favorite. And you go back and you watch that race. And it was one of those where I thought that that the 10 grand journey was going to get there the whole time. Claimed out of that race uh, by Karamucci, who's 21% off the claim. So two very good claiming barns claim re-enter at the same level. Both of them have chances to take step forward based on where they are just throughout the process of this year. Um, the 10 specifically, this is going to be third off of almost a year layoff and improve first start to second start. I wouldn't be shocked if you see a jump again here for third start. So for me, I kind of had to start with the 10 the five, even though they're, they're pretty logical horses.
1: I'm going to split the difference with you on there. I'm going to agree with you on the five. That was my top pick. Um, If you look at a couple of the horses, this and the next leg, um, if you look at specifically when they raced for a claiming tag, in nine starts for this horse, three wins, two seconds, a third. Two of the last three times he's in for a tag, he won. Uh, and that is 28% first off the claim with a good ROI. You look at the, who else is something you taught me a long time ago, Mike. Look at who's all had their hands on this horse. Like, it's all pretty much high percentage trainers. Like, it's good trainers have had their hands, so you know he's been kept well. That's why he's raced for so long, why he's still winning at this level at age 7. Um, as far as the 10 goes, uh, you know, I don't love we're, we're getting um, – first off the claim away from maker. I know that's not like a huge negative angle. Um, canter Moss, having to great meat so far seven for 23 with the stats I'm using, which is 30% and he's 21% first off the claim. But, um, I, I didn't love his effort in that race. I felt like he kind of just spun his wheels for a bit. And, uh, you know, for it being second off of the layoff, uh, I didn't, I thought maybe he, he had a better chance to win there, but, um, big agenda got him that day. I don't, see him turning the tables here but uh he, you know things could change uh next up for me i'm gonna go way outside to the 11 horse jack the cat for ray Handel. uh not a horse. i gotta move it up on the screen even he's so far down there uh when i was going through this i initially didn't even know i was going to use him but at 10 to 1 he actually beat a lot of these horses last time out he was four to one off of six to one morning line He's more than two times the odds here now on the morning line here. And you look at his record with Handel versus open claimers, four starts, two wins in a second, three of his five career wins have come since Handel took over as a trainer, by the way, is the sole owner. So he's spotting the horse properly. He's never been off the board on Belmont's turf with three wins, three seconds and a third. The only issue initially I could see is the post because a mile and an eighth on the inner turf, it's kind of a short run up, but he won from post 10 going two turns on the turf earlier in his career. So, I'm not too worried about that because this is going to be post 10 for him here. Did you use uh, Jack the cat, the 11? Um, I did not. Uh, okay. And
0: for me, like, and this is one of the, the funky parts about this specific race. We're going a mile and an eighth, mm-hmm. uh, which is a really odd configuration at Belmont. So you don't have a long run up into the first turn at Belmont and the race he won from the 10 post, he wanted one at a mile at Belmont, which is actually one turn. So it, it's a little bit more funky. Now, Jack the Cat's can fall back and just try and make a late run. I didn't see the pace set up for Jack the Cat in this spot, and he's also starting to pick up weight because he won that last race. So yeah. in these, you kind of start you pick up weight as you win these these claiming races, and so you don't always see horses go back to back as they add that weight. It's why Big Agenda is now carrying one twenty three at Grand Journeys, only carrying one twenty one. Two pounds sounds like a small thing, but all those little things add up. Additionally, I like Jalen Samuel. I just to me, this isn't the connections that I want to rely on here in this spot. If I was getting like 20, 25 to one, then I'd start getting a little more interested. But this is also a horse that's never gone a mile and an eighth. Yeah. Um, and, and so you have a lot of question marks here, and there's just too many for me that, that, that added up. The mile and an eighth, I think, is one of the key points of this race because you have a lot of these races at a mile and sixteenth and a mile. And for me, one of the horses that wants that mile and an eighth is the four-horse Mo Reddy. Uh, so that Mo Ready was the next to make my ticket. This is second off of the layoff for Rudy Rod, who's having a heck of a meet right now at Belmont. 17%. He's 21% for the year. Uh, it gets Jose Gomez in the saddle, who is one of the horses, one of the riders I like. That last race loses to Jack the Clat, Griffiths, and Artemis Bridge. I think they can flip the script here because we're going to get second off the layoff, and like I said, this horse wants the mile and eighth distance. It's be a third time trying it. You go back to Saratoga, mile and eighth on the turf. Career best buyer ninety four at this distance. I think the form already is the the most is the, the the horse best bred to get this mile and eighth, and should sit a pretty good ship, trip with some tactical speed in a race that doesn't have a ton of horses that want to go to the front.
1: Uh, I am, I looked at the form already, and, and initially thought I might use. I think something went wrong. Like actually went wrong with the horse in the West Point Stakes because uh, there's a point where he was. I uh, had to check up pretty hard, and then just kind of weakened. And then you look at his form. It's, it hasn't been the same since then, and now we've got, the, you know, he had avoided claim out of that February race because he was the favorite, and he was eased because something went wrong. Um, a better effort there, you know, first off for, for Rudy, but um, I'm a little nervous that something isn't right with him anymore. This is kind of the right level to be experimenting. We're not in a stakes race, right, so you're not going, I don't know, maybe he's hurt, maybe he can't run, but... Uh, i 'm going to take a chance against him because I, that form 's going backwards, and to me something just seems like it went wrong in that race uh, but we you know I could be wrong I actually interestingly enough went to the horse directly to his inside for my next one the three American Lincoln who Could be a gate-to-wire threat and not really sure. Since he's been on the turf, his last two starts uh, has shown more speed for this New York level. Jose Lascano is going to ride for the third straight time. Uh, He's been facing these horses. He's finished fourth against uh, eight of them uh, in this field uh, in his last two starts. But the horse that pushed him early, Mo Reddy, last time out, Faded to finish four lengths behind him in that last race when he was setting the pace and ends up finishing within uh, a few necks of the winner here, Jack the Cat, who I'm using. So I thought that was a great race. Now he's going to be inside of Mo Reddy. Uh, Manny Franco, who we've seen plenty of times even this year, this meet at Belmont Park, loves to ride speed horses on the turf. Manny Franco's not on the horse anymore. Not I don't know Gomez to know what he's going to do, if he will put the horse uh, on the lead or not. I do know that Lescano's done that the last two starts. I would expect to see him do that again. So I'm I'm going to use him here I liked that this horse it seemed like he just had nothing to do for the longest time in the dirt claiming ranks and they just went let's try the turf again and see if this works and suddenly he's seems like he's got a resurgence at age seven so a uh, pretty cool story there but why didn't you like the three? Uh, he's a
0: sprinter main reason <laughs> 0 for 5 on the turf uh, also an issue with me uh, he definitely the last two races definitely improved his form from from way back when but neither of those are good enough to win. So your assumption is we're going to take a third step forward here which i don't necessarily think is going to happen at age
1: seven on the yeah. <laughs> 19th start of the cycle i think that is... yeah, it's
0: not quite
1: a logical improvement <laughs>
0: um the other issue is like the mile and eight's a problem for me here i, I like i realize it's three cents smart straight on the bottom but we when we tried a mile and an eight on the dirt it was awful right <laughs> i mean and so i'm concerned that a mile and eight is just too far now american lincoln's going to want to go really slow up front and maybe turn this into a sprint later but i just the mile and an eighth to me is a big issue with American Lincoln. So I, I'm, I'm not going to use this horse, especially since he's got to improve again. He went from 52 to one to two to one. OK. <laughs> and that to me is like, uh, what? Like We're really jumping that much off one race when this horse has not won. was one for its last 19 in the last two years. That's uh, that seems a little aggressive on the overreaction
1: scale. Hey, I wasn't betting that race. I can't be blamed. For, I cannot be blamed for the terrible decisions that were made in that race. Jamie uh, um, laughed though. Kevin said, I don't even think Jose Gomez knows what he's going to do when the gates open. Yeah. He's been a pretty good bug. I'm not going like, I have been,
0: I've been, you know, semi impressed with somebody, Jose Gomez. So hopefully he can keep it up. 10%, not bad. I mean, he's winning. Ah. Um, huh? uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna use one more horse here. I'm gonna go with a six smile, Brian. Uh, this horse was claimed after, out of the last race, the Big Agenda Grand Journey race, and was rushed and then eased out of that one. So you got no buyer. You got every all the lines and everything. The main reason I'm using this horse, Levine's twenty percent off the claim. The horse is coming back without a layoff, so, so nothing was wrong. Debuted in a stakes race, you draw a line through that. It was six furlongs on the turf. It's not what this horse wants to do. There's multiple multiple races that have him winning this race if you go back and you dig through the form right i, I mean you've got the, the one issue you have is here's the one mile and eighth effort was not good but that was also an 80 and n2x allowance at saratoga that was a very deep race that was the one where mo ready ran second 40 under was in that value engineering the other two horses that finished up there but if you go back to the race before that at saratoga the two prior to belmont you go back to the aqueduct race on december 3rd uh, or the october 16th race All of those are good enough to win this race. You're getting 15 to one because of the, the, essentially the last race and this turf and the dirt stakes race. Like those are really logical throwout races to me. If we get back to anywhere near that form, you've got five running lines that could beat this field and you're getting 15 to one. seems like a wild overlay.
1: Um, I had initially had smile Brian on my ticket and then I took him off because I remembered all of those big number races last year in New York was when Orlando Noda was taking literal trash out of the basket putting it a saddle on it putting it out there and it was getting 85 90 buyers like he was it was like everything he touched was turning to like platinum gold it was incredible how good he was and suddenly fell off the cliff right after the Saratoga meet ended you can't believe can't understand what happened there but since wow. then he did have that aqueduct race uh last December Where he, you know, we got that really nice 90 buyer uh, sizes in the saddle. I, and to your point also, you know, he was eased out of that race, uh, rushed and eased. Um, If something was actually wrong, the claim would have been voided. We just talked earlier uh, about a horse where you had a voided claim because something went wrong. So um, not the case with Smile Brian here. I just, all those big numbers, Mike, came when Noda was doing something super magical to his barn.
0: There are two races outside of the Nota Barn that win this, the 90 and the 83. So, so I can still point to two after the claim that are good enough. And that's, and again, 15 to 1, right? If this horse yes. is 5 to 1 on the board, probably not that interested. But you show me 15 to 1, and if I'm throwing out some other horse, like, I, I think it's a logical use.
1: Uh, as Kevin says, Nota robbed me blind last year with some of those horses' surprising turnarounds that's that's kind of where i was going uh but to mike's point there are some more after that when uh, michael Masselli took over uh last one for me instead of smile brian i went with the nine battalion horse who they tried getting rid of last time out and his claim got voided as well <laughs> uh but returns uh you know back to the same level another horse that when he's in straight claiming races in for a tag other than last time out uh things go pretty well eight career starts in for tag three wins in a second um it couldn't have been that bad because of, of, of an issue, though, because they bring him right back. Same level. Trevor McCarthy rides again. Trevor McCarthy's not going to just pick up any old mound if he thinks that the horse is, is going to be bad. He's not going to ride him. Klosaris overall in claiming race is 19% with a really nice ROI. Um, he also claimed him for 40K two, what Was that, th- uh, three starts back away from Linda Rice and ran him back protected. Didn't go that well, and then you have that issue in the avoided claim, but Fifteen to one, as opposed to two to one. Last out, uh, nine to five. You know, burning a lot of money those last two races. If he loses, it looks a lot better at fifteen to one than two to one or nine to five.
0: It seems like there's some value there because of that price, right? Where like you, you again have races in the back you can point to and say these are probably good enough to win here. Uh, Obviously, the last couple there's a a pretty big issue, but you do have races where you can point back to them and say, okay, I I could see how he's able to get the job done. Um and uh, just for me, I just I decided to go different directions, but I I consider this horse quite a bit because of that fifteen to one price. Um also 78 78 buyer going the mile and eight distance, one of the better of any horse in this race. So it's you can make a goes. case. I, I'm interested to see how this race gets back, to be honest. Like to me, that's gonna be one of the like I don't know if we get fifteen to one at Smile brian I don't know if we get fifteen to one on Battalion. I don't know if we get ten to one in Jack the Cat. Like because I, yeah. I don't think Big Agenda or, or Grand Journey are going to take a ton of money here, right? So, like, if no one goes down to 9 to 5, some of these other horses are going to get bet. So it'll be interesting to see who actually gets bet off this board as well, because, like, I don't, I, you know, I think American Lincoln might float up from that 8 to 1 price. I think you might get 15, 20 to 1 there. I think Mo Ready might get bet. Like, So it's it's going to be interesting what the actual off odds of this race are, because I, I have a feeling the morning line is going to be uh, not 100% accurate here.
1: Yeah, uh don't I don't um envy David Aragona's job trying to figure this one out. It's it's a mess and uh yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Mike will move on, fourth and final leg of this late pick four at Belmont Park on Saturday, June twenty fifth. Race ten. It it wouldn't be a Naira late pick four if it didn't end with some sort of New York Breads on the turf, probably sprinting. But these are made in special weight, New York bred fillies and mares, uh, three and up. We've got four also eligibles on top of the dozen that drew in. I didn't even look at the also eligibles yet, so hopefully my picks stay in here. But they're all going to be sprinting six furlongs on the outer turf. Where are you going on top?
0: Oh, I thought this was a tough race. I went with the uh, I went with the three horse, quick power nap, something I love. Um, mm-hmm. Abreu has been – like he, he did well last year, and so 20% for the year, but he's been cold recently. This is a horse that last time out, last time we saw this horse – Ran second to Derry turf sprinting. Derry has turned out to be a very, very, very good turf sprinter. Just a little bit. A little bit. Now we're switching from the Abreu barn to the, the Clement barn. Guess who's really good at training turf sprinters? Uh, the guy that Clement. trains
1: Derry Ney and Christophe Clement. Yeah, there you go.
0: Uh, I, so, like, you're going from in a positive barn switch on the turf sprint size, and Clement's 27%. 21 percent first time out 22 percent off this type of layoff the horse adds lasix by the way joel rosario picks up the mount, which is his go-to guy in these turf sprints uh four to one's a pipe dream right there's no way this horse goes off four to
1: one uh well i don't know because you and i both this is a both of our top picks um i went four deep you used all four you went five deep and neither of us used the seven to two favorite there sinfully sweet i don't know i i mean i think that four to one's a pipe dream but i don't think this horse is favored there seems to be a lot of love for the four um talked about rosario and clement and new york and then the naira turf sprint specifically 24 percent winner it's like the last five years it's ridiculous so yeah Who's, who's next up for you let's keep it going
0: uh, next for me was the 11 horse here. So I'm going go to go to Wine Goddess. This is a uh, second start. This is a, a Horatio Depaz horse, second, second career start. First one was on the turf, rained off the turf. The horse still ran well, ends up getting uh, third in that spot. Cantharos is a wonderfully good turf sprinting sire. I don't think that gets enough. Cantharos gets enough love outside of Florida. Uh, Bernardini on the bottom side. This horse is going to absolutely love the grass. I think that you have that first start, which is nice to get some foundation underneath Wine Goddess. And now we got Jose Ortiz returning for the mount. Uh, second maiden start, 18% for DePaz, 20% turf sprinting. Um, and <laughs> right now, DePaz and Ortiz are clicking off at a absurd 44% together at Belmont. So he's getting all the top DePaz mounts. I, I, I think this is a great spot for Wine Goddess, who we don't really know like, the running style, how good this horse could be on the turf. But I, I, this horse should love getting out of the grass, I like the fact we got Ortiz back. Six to one is a nice price on this one as well. Before I, I go, we keep going. The four horse, Sinfully Sweet. That race was uh, I was at Lone Star when that race was won that last that last maiden special weight. I that was a like I think that was a pick six carryover. There was uh, I was live to five out of six to so like a, a bunch of horses in that race. Um that was an awful race. It was an awful, awful, awful race. A 10 to 1 first time starter I ended up winning, which Sayas picked up the mount after like the fourth race or something, and like it, it was a bad bad maiden special way. So I like simply sweets coming out of a big bad race.
1: Let's just put it that way. That's, I mean, that's good to know. I just looked at the form. And it was like, I, you've disappointed six times and you've come close once and I'll go elsewhere. That's a, as yeah. far as I went with it. Um, listen, uh, I love wine goddess. Let's talk about that race that she, J debuted in because first of all, you've got a tur- turf horse who Depaz said, let's just get a race into her, which I like to see that it's a barn that isn't very good with first time starters. Let's just get a race into her. Great. I, less than ideal condition, sloppy, skilled, plenty of kickback behind horses, showed the willingness to pass horses despite all that shit happening. That's pretty cool to see just that this horse has got heart. Um, that race, she was 3-1 to one morning line third choice before it got rained off the turf. Uh, she's now 6-1 to one on the morning line versus what I would say is a very similar field, Mike. So we went from 3-1 to one to 6-1. to one. Yeah, I like that a lot. We're getting Jose Ortiz to stay aboard, staying with that race. Do you know who the nine to five morning line favorite was that scratched because it was taken off the turf? I'll tell you, it was the number two, Hikaru, who was the nine to five favorite and is eight to one now that she's drawn post two with John Velasquez. I don't understand that. That also tells me eight to one. That's probably more of a pipe dream than four-to-one on quick power nap. But uh, this is a horse you and I both love, Jorge Abreu, 18% with a positive ROI when he debuts horses in maiden special weight turf sprints, Uh, 15% with Johnny V in the last five years. Uh, They teamed up last month to get third with a debuting maiden special, special weight turf sprinter who's owned by the same guy. And this horse also has one older sibling to race, same. Oh, oh, am I going to take this? I'm sorry. Go ahead. You yeah, about, you're a thunder. <laughs> take, take. Talk about Guardian Moon. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: Uh, the only sibling is Magic Mention. Horse debuted, made a special weight, state bred on the turf. One first out, one second start. So, like, you have early, early progeny that win too. I think is hugely important here, and that's the only horse that we've seen from this dam so far. If the two wins, there is a third horse that has yet to race named Moonage Daydream out of it's a. It's the same dam candy ride is the uh the sire that horse gonna love some turf sprinting too so i'm gonna stable that horse up if if hikara wins I'm, i am wild that we both found that same thing that's
1: awesome <laughs> uh, yeah i was i was i was intrigued by the horse and so i looked in the breed and i went holy shit, that's incredible yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh yeah that's it great. could be like it, I, you almost want to stable up the dam a effect a a um because if she keeps producing turf sprinters that, that are precocious and win early that could be a huge edge. Just anytime she has a horse going out there, you go after it.
1: Especially in New York because it's, like, it's not a Kentucky angle that you, you know, could be used uh, globally. So, yeah, you can watch out for that. Um, I'll go quickly with the last one that I use that we both used, Mike. Uh, the five writers room at 10 to 1. Outwork is 12% as a first-time starter sire. 14% turf sprint. Those are both above average. Uh, Remember, Outwork's top-earning progeny is Outdoor, undefeated in 4 starts sprinting on turf and synthetic. Three of those wins were uh, stakes races, was third by uh, like a length or two in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf going two turns. So point is, Outwork, very good (laughs) with turf sprinters. Um, Linda Rice, very good with turf sprinters as well. Only one winning sibling. Um, but it came at Los Al, so kind of turf, right? Uh, but also, you know, just writer's room is what a, a TV show is created in the writer's room. So a little bit of a hunch play for Mrs. Magic at 10 to 1. I like this horse as well. I am a
0: big fan of Outwork. We've talked about Outwork quite a bit as a sire here. And Linda Rice, very good turf spring trainer as well. So she, she knows what she's doing there. Um, last horse that I used, we haven't talked about my boy Violence, violence in a while. And the Violence has the nine horse Sweet Fury uh, and I love the fact, so this is one of those things where you, when you have someone like Kathleen DeMasi, who's 19%, and she decides to debut a horse at Parks and the horse runs well and she doesn't run that horse back at Parks. She says, I think I want to go after the bigger purses, right? And she ships to New York here, puts the nine sweet fury in here. Uh, violence, a very good, uh, very good turf, or a good, not very good, but good turf sprinting sire. Um, I love the confidence here. I think the price is right. I think you're getting every bit of that 15 to 1. Uh, second start, uh, Kathleen DeMasi 19%, so that's a positive. She's a 21% turf sprinting trainer. That's a positive to me. I, I think it's all systems go here on the 9 at 15 to 1. This is a really interesting race because I really like the 2. I really like the 3. I really like the 9. I really like the 11. Like I, I have multiple horses I like that are all prices here. This is one of those spots where I, I'm probably going to be trying to play some tries and supers and get a couple of these in here because you, you can get paid here in the the, the the single race bets as well if you're able to get this one right.
1: Uh, the nine was if I was going to go five deep, the nine would have been a ho- the horse that I used there. So uh, I agree with you. If you look, I'm just looking quick at the also eligibles and there's one that catches my eye and should catch everybody's eye. The 14 is five to two on the morning line. Busy morning for Jorge Abreu. We talked about him already with turf sprinting uh, and Jose Lescano is uh, named to ride already the horse that beat her on debut out of sight returned to win again. So uh, far cry from the 17 to one price that she was on debut down to five to two morning line, but Mike, if the fourteen draws in, you've got to put it on the ticket, right?
0: Yeah, I mean that out of sights race. I mean out of sights is very good, and that that's one of those where you kind of go, oh really? like what do I do with this horse if it gets in? Because there's a lot of other places I'd like to go, and it's just that that definitely makes it more difficult. And it, it, the fourteen post is impossible to win from at Belmont right now to a sprinting too. But you're going to take a short price on it, like. It's just a horse. I don't know what I'm going to do with it if it draws in, and it makes a sequence more difficult because you you saw all that talent, and you should you would think you're going to see a step forward, but the Abreu barn has been very cold this meet, two percent, just five percent for the year. Generally, I think it's twenty percent last year. So you see this cold barn outside post, short price, where I like a lot of horses price prices the inside. I would probably leave her off if she draws in and try and beat her because of the post position and the price and the fact that I, I do have. Forces on the inside I like quite a bit.
1: Regardless, this is uh, I know we tease it a lot or I make fun of it a lot, but how New York Naira race or or late pick fours seem to end like this. But this is this is a really great race. I'm excited to watch it and hopefully uh we're all still alive by this point.
0: Yeah. Yes. It's gonna be a fun one.
1: <laughs> sometimes sometimes Mike doesn't know when I'm transitioning out. It's okay. <laughs> As good to have this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining, Mike, and I to talk about Belmont's late pick four on Saturday, June twenty fifth. If you're watching live with the replay, take a look below. We've got the tickets down there. I'll go ahead and start off for fifty cents. I'm going to go four seven with four five with three five nine eleven with two three five eleven. That's thirty two dollars, and Mike, you're uh, similarly affordable.
0: Yeah, I'm just going to play a thirty dollar ticket. Like with the specifically Juju's map, it's tough to try and find a ton of value around it. So I'm going to go four six seven with five with four five six ten with two, three, five, nine, eleven, hopefully get a price home in those last two legs.
1: Uh, Dennis says we can't leave yet. That's kind of weird. let <laughs> so just be told you can't leave yet. Okay. Uh, we can't leave yet. Oh, well, first of all, I don't know what it was you want to talk about at the top, Mike, that we almost, you almost started about, but I do want to bring up, it was mentioned in the chat, uh, Canterbury last night. Hats off to everybody who played Canterbury. Hats off to Canterbury themselves. Uh, broke the all time one day handle record by over a million last night. So if you played it, thank you so much. That was awesome to see.
0: Yeah, it was a wonderful card too. I mean, they had big fields. The turf pick five was Stayed awesome. on the turf. Yeah, it got a little chalky, but I mean, what can you do? Like, it's one of those where you, I, I was trying to beat some chalk, and so that sucked. But it was still—I mean, I had still 500 bucks for a really playable sequence. So uh, it was a great night at Canterbury, and like, it, it was funny because I was texting a buddy of mine who lives up there, and we were talking about it, and he's like, "I'm used to playing like." you know, six horse fields with 10k, 10k maiden special waves or maiden claimers. I'm I'm like, well, don't worry. They got you covered with the last two. Um, But man, those, those, that's, that set of six races was great. The only, like, I wish that they had been a little more clear about the pick five. So I know there was some controversy about like where the pick five was, because there was two that were starting in race three at one point, but then there was just one. I would have loved the pick six for those six stakes races too. If they had done like a 50 cent pick six on those six stakes races, that would have been awesome to
1: play uh bruce said she hit the pick four early. that's awesome congrats uh dennis says i was trying to beat chalk every race besides two races and both those races the chalk one uh, <laughs> that, that happens um okay the do you remember what it or was canterbury what you wanted to bring up no no i wanted to
0: talk about drafts i freaking loves love drafts like the nfl draft is one of my favorite oh, nights. Dra- <laughs> I thought and then
1: that you said giraffe i was like no. yeah colson loves giraffes too where is this going by the way, giraffes,
0: really cool animal, black yeah. tongue, the spots, long necks. Like I'm, I'm into giraffes. So I'm, I'm down with that. Uh, no, I, I love draft days. It's like, first off, the movie, really cheesy but entertaining, right? Not, like You also have the, the, the great – like the NFL draft is one of the best things in the world to bet. I love if, – if I had an NFL draft to bet every weekend, I would love it. It is amazing to bet because you have all this information flying everywhere. And now we got the NBA draft tonight, and like shit completely hit the fan. I don't know if you were watching this betting market. I go to sleep. And Jabari Smith's minus 600 favorite to be the first pick. I wake up and he's pick him with, uh, with, with the Apollo kid from Duke minus 600 to pick him it, like overnight. And then, and then Chet Holmgren who's the, the Gonzaga guy who looks like, like literally someone drew him as a stick figure completely out of the top two. And now they're talking, he could drop as far as five or six and like, and now Kyrie Irving wants out of the nets and Kevin Durant put a, out a cryptic tweet saying he's out too. If they, they get rid of Kyrie, like, it's just wild rumors flying around because it's draft day. I love these. I love this stuff. Cause it's like just absolutely wacky shit is happening.
1: Well, speaking of betting, I do want to thank you for uh, tipping me off to Colorado. I know I don't want to bring this up. Cause I know you didn't get minus one like I did, but yeah, um, uh, but I did get them on the money line at, at minus. I, it was I was getting minus one eleven. I was like, you're basically I'm getting the vig. Okay, that's yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty great. So played both of those at over six. I really thought uh, the way the third period was going for a minute. We'd have a 3-3 and then go to overtime. But regardless, it's been a great uh, playoff series, and you are one game away from getting a nice bottle of tequila, my friend. I'm. I, I
0: This would be. This is ironically the second most I've ever been on a sporting event. The Belmont was the first. This series is the second. And if it ends, I have Colorado minus one and then Colorado. If we get Colorado minus one, I'll be a very
1: happy camper. <laughs> uh, Dennis, I thought of you when I went to overtime. I just laughed. I was like, Dennis fl- and yeah. his overtime, whatever is uh, – uh it must have cashed you I'm glad to see you're playing sure. that um if that you go back from-
0: and, oops sorry if you go back and want- look I want to give Dennis a shout out if you go back and you actually look at the record so they have now played going into this series no going into game three they played 15 games no going into game two they played 15 games yep. five of the 15 had gone to overtime so five of them cashed the overtime bet they lost <laughs> one to St. Louis so that's a loss they won one game by one goal the other eight Minus one and a half hit. In the one game they won by a goal, they scored with four seconds left against the Blues. So that they have not won a hockey game yet by less than two goals in regulation, except for the one game where they scored with four seconds left. It's wild, the stats. It's because they're one of the best empty net teams in in the game, right? You said that
1: before, yeah.
0: I think it's like six of those eight games, uh, six of the eight games they scored empty net goals in. And so it's just, it's crazy. Because with that offense, they're so good. And then you have no goalie. Like if McKinnon, Brantanen, McCarr, Taos, any of them get the puck, they can skate it wherever they want and shoot. And it's just, it's unbelievable to watch them.
1: I think that if Vasilevsky wasn't in net for Tampa, if they had anybody else in net, uh, I think Colorado minus whatever and the over whatever. I think that cash is a, I mean, Colorado is just other than game three when Tampa came out with their hair on fire, which you expected from the two time defending champs. Uh, but yeah, we got one more game to go for that. Uh, and if you don't remember, Mike and I bet what was the brand of tequila that I'm going to uh, get you? Casa Amigos. Casamigos. Okay. Yeah. It's a nice bottle of Casamigos and um, yeah, listen, I've made enough bet in Colorado on the side even though I picked him up in the bet. Uh, which it, what was it? It was Colorado had to win in six was six a push. Or less. Yeah. Six or less. Oh, no, six you or have... less. There was no yeah. push. Six or less. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was telling Celeste, I was like, I think either six is a push or six Mike's wins and then anything else. Anyways, Mike's going to win tequila. So uh, that's nice. I'm going to have enough money to afford that because I've also been in Colorado. But uh, we didn't get to talk about Father's Day and uh, your birthday over the weekend too much because the last show was on your birthday. So uh, I want to take a quick second and thank a shout out to Dr. Tang. And if you know Tyler Hoffman, if you don't, you should know Tyler Hoffman. Uh, but this is Kathkin Peak on Saturday, uh, the day before Father's Day. Managed to take Colson out to Santa Anita Park for the first time he's ever been at a racetrack. And you got a couple of good looking dudes right there, and then myself, and then there's Colson and Dr. Tang and his daughter and Tyler in the winner's circle for Kathkin uh, Pe- Peak winning at Santa Anita. So uh, it was a really awesome experience just bringing it the track, let alone finding out that. Um, we're going to be in the winner's circle if if either of the two D'Amato horses won on turf, which if you've been watching Santa Anita, okay. Yeah, we were right. That yeah.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Tyler's a, a, Tyler and Doc Chang, obviously, both great dudes. Uh, sat at NXT with both of And Tyler and his dad love playing tournaments. You can see them all over, all, of the t- all the time at Santa Anita Park. So it's, uh, it's a pretty fun crew there, man.
1: Yeah. There was a, a, a shout out. To, I want to say her name's Leah. Uh, Phil's... Um, assistant trainer who, uh, bottom row, uh, third in from the left is standing there. She was the one that got us all in there. But, yeah, it was uh, a great experience. And then Sunday we went and did a – it was very much like a dad – I told you on the show. We did the classic car show along the ocean. And uh, Colson won cutest Hawaiian t shirt So we won a three-hour nature cruise around Channel Islands out of that. So that was pretty cool. (laughs) Very cool. Is Colson
0: going to go on the nature cruise? Three hours uh, on a boat?
1: Possibly. We're not sure. We have a year and a half still to use it so we're probably will bring him but like next year so yeah we had a good time what did you do for father's day
0: oh man father's day what was that sunday, sunday we went yeah. to uh so we actually just ate at the apartment or ate out here at the house on sunday it was kind of nice we uh, grilled some fish went to the local fish spot got that grilled it and had a good time yeah awesome. father's day was good and then monday we went so we've been going so we're, we're on an island there my family have been going there for 19 years and so we used to take our family picture at this one restaurant, at this tree, which had all these branches, and we pop our heads out of different branches for like 10 years. That was our family picture. We went back to that restaurant uh, on my birthday. So I hadn't we hadn't eaten there in, I don't know, 25 years, 20 years, something like that. So it was pretty cool to go back there and have my daughter there. And although she had so much sugar, it was ridiculous. It's like we usually don't give her a lot of sugar. She had a strawberry daiquiri. She had a Shirley Temple. She had ice cream. Whoa, and oh, so
1: that's too much for me.
0: We literally had her dancing next to the table just to get energy out during dinner, which was adorable, yet also, you know, just make sure you don't hit a waiter.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't knock over somebody's, you know, tray of, you know, $300 worth of food up there. Uh, boy, I'm scared about the day, Colson. We we don't give him any sugar, or at least added sugar yet, so scared for that day. But, uh, oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, this is what I want to know, by the way. Was the tree still there? I was going to ask you that.
0: Yes, tree is still there. Good. Good to go.
1: Good uh dr tang awesome experience yeah it was really great to It got to meet dr tang's wife and, and her parents too so uh that was great and mike says i'm guessing this is directed at you nice face tan i'm working on mine you're putting the pressure on me man oh it's just
0: gonna keep getting worse and worse man and like when i'm down here for four straight months it's gonna be absolutely crazy how how, how tan i get like my body just does not stop tanning
1: shoddy rewind like 10 seconds no i'll put it at the bottom here for you i'll put it back down there for you shoddy there's the tickets all right we're gonna get out of here thank you so much for joining mike and i oh wait no i do want to shit hang on uh i do want to mention real quick sorry uh saratoga slims got his latest vlog out if you didn't get a chance to watch yet he interviewed uh todd pletcher on the backside of Saratoga. So you get inside information um, about life is good, where his next start's going to be. It's not the Whitney. They're targeting something else before the Whitney, which I thought was interesting. And then uh, he's got, Todd Pletch has already had two debut winners at Monmouth Park, both of them heading to Saratoga Stakes as two-year-olds. So make sure you go check out the interview. He's got a lot of information. Um, And then the tournament challenge starts tomorrow. Mike, give us a quick plug for that, and we'll get out of here. Yeah, if you're a Racing
0: Dudes subscriber over at RacingDudes.com, uh, make sure you go into your dashboard, scroll all the way down. You can enter the tournament challenge. 10 bucks to enter. There's $150 in site credits seated over on horse tourneys. So if you win, there's the highest uh, customer. You get $150 site credits. And other the dudes are eligible for that. And you get to compete with us. And then we'll also have a live show tomorrow as well. So make sure you join us for some fast and furious action. I think we're going to cover five races in 45 yeah. minutes. Uh, yeah. So it's going to be coming hot and heavy. And then pretty excited about this too. So make sure you join the tournament. Do that. Yeah. Don't, don't be late. Uh, pretty excited that Wednesday we're debuting a new show as well. So every every day, from Wednesday to Sunday at noon, we're going to have a daily betting show. It's going to be 10, 15 minutes, so, so a little quicker than the longer shows. But we'll have our best bets from both sports and horses on that day. You're going to have at least two of the dudes on each of those shows, so make sure you check that out as well.
1: Yeah, and it's going to be best bets for – it could be sports, but it could be horse racing. It's whatever we are most confident about. Uh, that day, that, that's what we're feeling so yeah, it could be Papa Dude, Aaron, Jared Samich, myself, Slim and a special guest, you never know who's going to show up I've actually got you on a, we'll give you guys a quick tease here on the Magic Mike show, here's what the intro is going to look like, hang on How do you not love that intro? All right. Thank you so much for watching the Magic Mike Show. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Curtis Kellard. He's at summerbomb 18 number one, number eight. Corporate Overlords at Racing underscore Dudes. Make sure you check out Blinkers Off. They'll be live, and I'm guessing about an hour or two here. Uh, YouTube.com slash Racing Dudes. Until Monday when we recap everything and have some more fun, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. See you then, everybody. Good luck this week.